need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Sex. Hello, hello, hello. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. So I have a question for you today. Are you a heifer? Or are you a heifer in training? Are you a creative woman who is ready to launch her own business or chase and catch your entrepreneurial dreams? Then listen up today. Because today we have Ashley Case de Andaf Ojeda con nosotros. And we are going to be talking about the entrepreneurial mindset and some of the things we're thinking about, if you're considering anything from a side hustle to a solopreneurship, contract work, or work in the corporate world. So let's do it. Ashley Stoyanov Ojeda is a community builder, coach, strategist, socialpreneur, and the creator of hashtag Women Crush Music, a nonprofit for rising women songwriters, which does make her a helpful and a badass. Bienvenido, Ashley. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for being here. And I appreciate your book because, um, first of all, I'm, I'm a creative entrepreneur and it definitely worked for me. It made me, I've been doing this for years and it brought up things that I haven't thought about in a long time. Um, and I think there's value in revisiting that. But it also spoke to... Uh, another audience that I think is underrepresented. And I want to get into that a little, a little bit because one aspect of the book is this mix of Spanish and English or Spanglish. And that's something I've not seen before. A, an author who's working between the two. So straight up, why did you do that? And what is a jefa? Um, I, you know, I think it's funny how you phrase that, like working between the two, because I feel like that's just been the story of my life. Um, I'm a Mexican, French American mixed person, you know, and growing up as a mixed kid was definitely an interesting experience feeling like you don't quite belong here, but you don't quite belong in Mexico because you're not American or you're not Mexican enough. And Spanglish is just kind of the the natural way that I speak to my family, to my friends, to my clients, even just because that's just it. That's just how it happens. Um, and I think that's how it happens for a lot of first gen, second gen Latinas or Latinas who have immigrated here um, from their countries. And it was a very intentional decision to keep the Spanglish in there uh, because we are represented in a lot of different industries and there aren't actually many Latinas who have published business books out there. And I just really wanted to make this book feel like home um, 
for all of these uh, future jefas, jefas in training, and for those of you who don't know what a jefa is, uh, the Spanish word for boss is jefe, um, but in Spanish, you have to choose a gender for everything that you're describing. So that's why we say jefa. Yeah, I like that. I noticed the feminine and you know, I, I'm a white girl from Oregon and, and this book, the, the issues are applicable and important for us all to consider. But one thing that I liked about um, the mix of the languages and the topics were that we are no longer, if you're going to survive as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, one person, or at a corporate level, you cannot do it by being a white girl in Oregon, right? I, I work with people all over the world and I have to be aware of the, the cultures and the customs and respectful of all that in order to enhance not only my life, but my business. We're no longer isolated in this one little neighborhood when we're doing business. Yeah, that is, that is correct. 100%. So you are an entrepreneur and the head of a nonprofit, hashtag women crush music. Take me back a little bit to where, how that came to be and how you entered this uh, realm. Yeah. So Women Crush Music actually started in Oregon. Um, so I was freshly out of college. Um, so I started out in the music industry. I was, con I was convinced that I was meant to be a touring rock star and I was performing very actively as a singer songwriter in various bands in New York. And then when I graduated college, I wanted to quote unquote, find myself. And so I moved to Portland, Oregon. I had a cousin out here. I visited, I liked it. So I just decided to stay. Um, and there was a lot of talent. There still is a lot of talent in Portland, but not really so much industry to support it at that time. 2015, things were a lot different. Portland has grown a lot since then. Um, but I I was looking for a community of, of like-minded songwriters that I could collaborate with because I didn't know anyone out here in the music industry. And instead of kind of finding this community that I was searching for, I decided to create it myself just because I've always been kind of a natural um, gatherer of people and creator of opportunities. Even in New York, I was always curating shows for my friends and I, especially those whose first time it was going to be on stage. Um, and I started putting together this monthly showcase um, that was called Woman Crush Wednesdays at the time where we would just spotlight local women songwriters um, so that we could just meet and share resources. You know, being a woman in the music industry is uh, it's a, it's a journey. Um, it's definitely a journey and is still, unfortunately, male dominated industry. And I just wanted a place for us to be able to gather and and talk and collaborate and who knows what else can happen after that, right? But um, it kind of exploded. So this monthly showcase, after just a few months, we started packing the venues. I was booked out for like a year at the venue. Wow. Um, local industry people started coming, media started coming, and the support was was incredible. And at that point, you know, it, a light bulb went off in my head and I was just like, oh, like I should really you know, do something about this. There it seems like there's hype here. There's a need. Um, what should, what can I do? Because I was meeting so many amazing, talented artists who didn't come from any kind of music business background. And 
I should say this, that the moment you decide to be any kind of artist, whether it's an author or a songwriter um, or a photographer, like you need to understand that you are starting a business. Um, and I was lucky because I studied media communications in school. Um, and I did that because I had the mindset of, well, if I want to get myself out there and make a name for myself in music, I should probably learn how to promote myself, but not very many people do, um, get the chance to do that. So I was thinking like, maybe I should turn this movement into some kind of like promotional agency where I would help musicians get themselves out there. A million ideas went through my head. At the end of the day, I had no idea what it took to start a business. Um, and after several conversations with different people that I was meeting, I, I wanted Woman Crush Music to be a nonprofit because I don't believe in artists having to pay to play anywhere. And I do believe that they should get support and, you know, it should be easier to make connections in the industry that could help you. And you should just be able to show up and, and not have to deal with any drama, um, you know, at your shows and know that you're getting paid and whatever, X, Y, Z reasons. Um, and that was really kind of how it started. Um, it started with Woman Crush Music and I kind of was just winging it, you know, for the first couple of years and it grew and it grew and it grew to the point where between year two and three, I couldn't really grow it anymore because I had never taken the time to build this foundation that I talk about in Hefan training. Yeah. And I think you make an important distinction here. You are driven by this need and this passion and this personal interest and, and, you know, your, your personal skills too, things that you knew how to do that you knew could add value, but it came down to it where you also had to be a, businesswoman, learn the business, right? Passion is not enough to sustain it. It might launch you, but it's not enough then. Uh, oh, 100%. And I, I think, you know, one of the biggest reasons I decided to write this book, the, the reason I got the idea for it is because between year two and three of Woman Crush, I did not know what to do anymore. Because what we had was a very, very strong community, but we didn't have a financial plan. We didn't have any kind of real operations systems. Um, we had no, no strategy. We were just going and going and going and going and going because at that point, that's all I knew how to do was just promote, 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 promote. And that can only get you so far if you don't have this foundation. And so I kind of had to step back and, and learn all of these things um, and people were so moved by that, that then I started helping other creative entrepreneurs do the same thing for their businesses and set up this foundation. And that's how I started doing coaching. Um, yeah, I think this is really interesting because, um, you know, I'm a full-time writer and I have been for 26 years and, and I've heard from a lot of people almost in kind of an off the cuff slam like oh yeah well you're so disciplined oh yeah well but i wanted to write and at some point you have to be disciplined if you're going to keep the business afloat if you're gonna do the work you're meant to do or you want to do 
you've, you've got to think about your business plan, your clients, who you want to work for, how you want to structure the business. And I want to get into the, some of those specifics. We're going to take a quick break with Ashley K. Stoyanov Ojeda. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about some of the specifics to consider when you're setting up shop. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Polly Campbell here on Simply Said, and you can find me on pollycampbell.substack.com, where I release new essays, often taking a dive into topics that we discuss here on the show, and the ups and downs that I face of creating a life I want to live. Right now, that is uh, free notes, free essays on Substack, so check it out. And I often give uh, heads up about other writers and other opportunities you might be interested in. And also, today we are here talking with Ashley K. Stoyanov Ojeda about the business of building a business. Her new book, Hefa and Training, the Business Startup Toolkit for Entrepreneurial and Creative Women, is a really practical approach. And if you're ready to chase down your dream, I think you need to pick it up because it's got lots of forms. It asks lots of questions. There's lots of prompts and things worth thinking about if you want to create a business that lasts. And I think that should really be our goal. It's not enough to pursue your passion. You also have to have a framework to sustain it. Ashley, you, this is a super practical book and you ask a ton of questions um, that, that are worth thinking about before we enter in. You talk about, do you want to work in a physical or virtual space? Who is your market? What is your market reach? How big is your market size? Those kind of things. Where do we start? What do you think is an important anchor when we're taking on these questions? Um, you know, I, I think the first thing that, that, we should all think about when we decide to enter this new venture is the market, right? And do do a lot of market research. And I will start by saying this, market research does not end once you launch your business or start whatever project you're working on, but you should do a little bit of preliminary research beforehand because a lot of small businesses actually don't fail due to cash flow. They actually fail because there's not enough of a market to sell what they're trying to sell. And, you know, you also have to think about longevity. Like, is this market going to grow in the next five years, 10 years? Because if you're starting a business, you know, I'd imagine you'd want to be doing this for, for some time in the future and not have to pivot uh, too often or change or change gears, you know? So I think starting there is definitely important. There are a few different ways that you can do market research that I explain in the book, but I'll name a couple couple. Um, there are some market research databases that you can look into and they'll give you a lot of statistics on your target audience. Um, you can interview your ideal customers. You can survey them first and then interview them. I find this really beneficial because you can get a lot more information by talking in talking to them one-on-one and you can also create a genuine connection with them and that is really really valuable don't underestimate the power of creating those genuine relationships when you are building your business and speaking of relationships you can also talk to uh, people who have been in your industry for a while Uh, they have a lot of experience they can tell you if a similar business has been uh, brought to the service before and kind of where they failed and what you could do better 
better. They can tell you more about the pain points of the people you were trying to serve, which I think will help you a lot. Um, and you can kind of just go from there. And in the book, I actually uh, show you how to do a competitive analysis with a chart and everything. Um, and I think taking a look at people who, who are doing similar things to you, because I don't believe in, in competition. I don't think anyone can start the same exact business as you, but you can take a look at people who are doing similar things and, and ask yourself, what do you like about their customer journey? What do you like about the way that they're branding themselves? And what do you think that you have to bring to the table that can, that can do this a little bit differently to make you stand out in the industry? And I think starting there will, will give you a very solid foundation. I think that's great advice. And you, another thing you talk about is a SWOT analysis to really examine your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I think this is interesting because when we're all fired up in the beginning, which I'm fired up like every other day about a new project, right? Everything's a good idea when I first think of it. <laughs> and I have to step back and say, okay, what can I bring to this? What am I really good at? But I also need to give equal weight to the weaknesses and the threats not in a judgmental way, but just in a where way, because who am I going to have to hire to help me with the weaknesses? Where am I going to fail and falter that might hurt the business? So how am I going to uh, deal with that when it comes up? I think instead of being afraid of that, we need to see that as a leadership quality to examine what we bring and what we aren't as good at. Oh, 100%, 100%. And I think Speaking from personal experience, one of the things that really stunted my growth in the beginning or the growth of the organization was that I was afraid to ask for help. I thought that by me asking for help meant that people were going to say that I didn't know what I was doing um, and that I was going to fail. And really, it's it's exactly the what you said. It's the it's the exact opposite, you know, by knowing what we are good at and what we are not so good at, what we could learn, you know, we can decide like, do we need to hire a coach? Do we need to hire an assistant to help us because we're running short on time? And that that's growth. That's growth. Not trying to do 8 million things by yourself and Googling all day and night um, and driving yourself into burnout. That's just, that's just a recipe for disaster in my opinion. Yeah. And that's kind of where I started. You know, I had a full head of steam years ago and I'm, I was all in, but, but that is not sustainable. You have to sit back and, and figure out. And also, if you focus on what you're good at, the work is uh, better. And and then you bring in other people or get a coach or somebody to teach you what you're not so good at. That's part of building this thing, I think. Um, one last thing I want to touch on before I let you go is you talk about knowing your capacity. I will tell you what, I did not know this. And sometimes I, I still don't. I have to really do a gut check and go back and say, what what's going on here? What does it mean... And, and why is that important? And I want to talk specifically about, you know, you're going to work 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week or 15 hours a week, whatever it is for the lifestyle you want to create and the business you want to create, but you're not going to be paid for all that time. So just because I'm writing or marketing or doing these things, it's not billable time. You have to have an awareness of where the money's coming from and the hours around those projects you need to put in to make sure that happens. Exactly, exactly. And you know, you said it's not billable time, but you do actually have to consider that time when you are setting your prices. 
Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell you from someone who does like a service based business. Um, so for example, for myself, who I do a lot of coaching and consulting, you build people by the hour, most of the time. However, we know that the time that you're actually working with the client is not just one hour a week. It might be more like two or three hours a week because you're answering their emails. You're also doing research for them. You're taking the time to prepare for your meetings. So you have to take that into consideration if you only want to work 30 hours a week or something like that, and you're setting your prices for 40 hours a week, you need to kind of reestablish what is important to you and what will make you the amount of money that you need to make to live your life and also grow your business and save. And that's what prevents burnout is, is knowing what your capacity is and making sure your prices match that. Yeah, that's good advice. Today, I want you all to sit back and think about your passion, what it is you want to build, and then begin your own market research and your SWOT analysis. Begin looking at the unique talents and abilities you bring to the project and to the work. Begin looking at what the market is wanting, who your market is. I think interviewing a customer, a potential customer, or client is a great way to get started. Do the work before you do the work so that you know what you are creating and building is sustainable and the kind of business and lifestyle you want to live because mine are integrated. I, I work a lot and I love my work and it needs to support my lifestyle, but my lifestyle also needs to show up and support the work. So what is that going to look like for you? Are you going to work 30 hours a week? You're going to work 50 hours a week. How, how is it going to shape up? It doesn't hurt to do that planning ahead of time. In fact, I think it's the key to creating a sustainable business and being the heifer. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. I think it's a great way for people to get started. Heffa in training, the business startup toolkit for entrepreneurial and creative women. Ashley K. Stoyanoff, Ojeda, where can we find you and your other work and your coaching and everything that you do? So you can find everything on my website, which is ashleykstoyanoff.com. Fantastic. Check out Ashley's work. I've worked with many coaches and advisors over the years to uh, help me see from a more objective per perspective what I bring in and what I don't bring. Ashley, one, one thing you say in the book is what makes you diferente is what makes you fuerte. Let's mm -hmm. end on that. What does that mean? I love that line. Um, so that essentially translates to what makes you different makes you strong. It sounds a little awkward in English. Um, or when I say it, when I say it, it sounds a little awkward. Yes. Um, but, you know, I it essentially means that I, th I think so many of us have been um, society kind of tells us, you know, if we're different, that that's kind of a bad thing. Right. A lot of us when we're growing up, we think about that. Um, and in this particular instance, since the book uh, was targeted towards Latinas, you know, it's a lot of, well, we don't speak English um, that well, or they say we don't speak English that well, or we have a little bit of an accent, or we're a little bit darker skinned, or our parents don't have a lot of money, so we wear the same clothes to school every day, you know, those, those kinds of things that 
that seem like obstacles actually make us a lot stronger. And because we've lived through these things, we have a completely different perspective on life than anyone else. And that actually can really help us while building a business um, or, or in any scenario of life. But in this particular instance, I'm talking about building a business. And I think people need to remember that. I think we need to remember that for sure. What makes you diferente is what makes you fuerte. You know, in my business, I talk a lot in terms of launching a lifestyle and a business, and it should be fun and engaging and interesting and challenging. If you're ready to get started, take a look at your SWOT analysis, take a look at the talents you bring and your market, and then get started. When we are chasing and catching our dreams, we will all live well, do good, and be happy. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.